he told me that I needed to journal and I needed to get to the repressed emotions. So when I unleash them and I have a vent, my body's not going to be in fight or flight and sending me these pain signals. So I started to journal and I was writing about motherhood and I was writing all the things that all of us can relate to. I am tired. I am overwhelmed. I have two babies in cribs. I have two babies in diapers. This wasn't the plan. I was going to have them further apart and that's just not how it went. And all these things that are true. And I had a consciousness, a voice kind of that came in and said, you're lying there is no way that these boring everyday things are so dangerous to feel that they are causing your nervous system to protect you with pain that to, so bad you can't walk. So what is really going on? And I just made a decision in that moment to say fuck it all and to tell the truth. And I wrote, I hate being a mother and I can't do it and I'm failing and I suck and I'm trapped and I am not going to survive this. Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming back to listen to another fascinating episode of the Big Time Adulting Podcast. Today is actually a very fascinating episode, if I don't say so myself, or is it if I do say so myself? If I do. I think if, if I, I do. do. If I do say so myself. I have licensed clinical social worker Nicole Sachs here with me today. Nicole, hello. Hello. Nicole is a therapist and has a strong Instagram presence and also is an expert in healing chronic pain caused by traumas and how that shows up in our lives. So I'm just going to let you take it away, talk about your practice and Let's go from there. Okay. All right. Well, I, um, for almost 24 years, um, have been doing work with people in chronic pain and conditions. And one thing that we were just talking about before we jumped on air is I think it's really helpful for people to understand that chronic pain is not just if you're on disability or if you identify as someone with a very serious condition, just like trauma is not just capital T trauma, abuse, neglect, abandonment, et cetera. Trauma can be death by a thousand cuts and so can chronic pain. And so um, when I use the term chronic pain, one thing that's really important important for me to just start right off and saying is if you're a person who just gets headaches and feels achy, if you feel fatigue and like your days are like a drag, if you have maybe an irritable bowel diagnosis or maybe you don't even have a diagnosis but your stomach's always acting up, if you have anxiety and you feel panicky and you feel like you're struggling to get through your days and many, many, many other symptoms that can qualify in my practice as pain, there are solutions that you might not know about. You know, I work with the brain science, I work with mind-body medicine, and it's really, really fascinating stuff. So I, I want to start there because I know that um, Caitlin's population is maybe not people have heard my stuff, and I want to, to I want you to qualify. I want you to feel like you're included because if you don't identify as someone being in chronic pain, I still want to help you improve your life. So you want me to just like jump into my story, like kind of why I play in this space? Yeah. How you began your healing basically via motherhood and how that all transpired. It's very interesting. So will you tell what happened? Okay. 
So uh, when I was 19 years old, I was a freshman at college, and I had what now is um, understood as an acute pain incident. Some people might understand it as like your back goes out, but my back went out so severely that my parents had to come to college and like physically carry me home. I needed help doing very basic tasks, help using the bathroom. I was completely disabled and I was 19. And so when we went to the orthopedic surgeon and we got my films and my MRI, um, I was diagnosed with a condition called degenerative spondylolisthesis, which is a pretty severe abnormality of the lower spine. And of course, as any logic would say, they thought that was the reason for my back pain. I was in debilitating back pain. They took a film. They saw a very significant abnormality, structural abnormality. And um, and so they said, well, this is why you're in pain. And so here's what you need to do. No more sports, no more travel, no more riding in the car for more than an hour, very specific sleeping positions to support my back, um, no lifting things over 10 pounds. And then the kicker, which is it would be very seriously unlikely for me to ever have a biological child because the weight of the baby in the front would be so could be catastrophic for for my back. And so I was 19 and handed um, like I don't know if you'd call it a life sentence or a death sentence. Yeah. I can't even imagine. It was it was crazy. It was a mess. And so um essentially I with the help of steroids and muscle relaxers and opioids and all sorts thank God I didn't get addicted at that point, but all sorts of um of what what doctors can do. Um I was I moved from acute to chronic pain. So I became a person with a back problem. You know, everybody was always doing things for me. I felt super super disempowered. I felt really self-pitying. I went on, I graduated from undergrad. I got a psychology um bachelor's in psychology and when I was in grad school, my mom was watching the Rosie O'Donnell show back when Rosie had her daily talk show, and Rosie had a segment on called Fix Jeanette, and Jeanette Barber was her producer who was in a motorized wheelchair. And Rosie had her on because nobody could figure out why she was in so much pain. And when my mom was watching the follow-up episode, Jeanette Barber had just run the New York Marathon. And so my mom was like, Holy fucking shit. I imagine I can swear on your podcast. No, I never. I don't like explicit <laughs> language. I know. Thank fucking God for daytime television and moms who watch it, right? That's right. <laughs> but anyway, so my mom was watching Rosie and um, Jeanette Barber ran the New York Marathon. And my mom freaked out and she called me and she said, you need to get this book, Healing Back Pain by Dr. John Sarno. And I was like okay, why? I, I don't need a book. Something's wrong with me. I'm broken. You know, like I was offended and most people are when they hear about mind-body medicine because they can assume, are you saying the pain is in my head? Like, are you saying like I'm mentally something and my back hurts? Like this is lunatic. Okay. So I, I had the same reaction as most people. I was in my early twenties. I skimmed the book. I took a look at the book. I understood what this Dr. Sarno was saying and what he was saying was, I'm going to translate it into like 2023 speak. When our brains are in long-term fight or flight, they go into the space of protection because we're in a very primitive state. We have to be we have to survive. And when we are in this long-term fight or flight, our brains and our nervous systems perceive our repressed emotional world, anger, rage, shame, guilt, um embarrassment, resentment, uh terror, 
despair, okay, these these fun things that we all love to feel, our brains and our nervous systems perceive those things and our full acknowledgement of those things to be a greater predator to our lives, okay, this is not hyperbole, truly, we are, our systems think that if we feel those things, it will kill us. And so what happens is a switch is flipped and we go into long-term sustained fight or flight. We're bathed in adrenaline and cortisol. Our bodies are not built to be in long-term fight or flight. We're supposed to have bursts of it so we can flee or fight or freeze, but we are not supposed to live like that. And when we live like that, which is such a common uh, situation in modern day society, the nervous system and the brain seek to protect us, right? So how do they protect us? Slowing us down, making us take care of ourselves, making us say no to obligations, draw boundaries. Well, what's the best way to do that in polite society when we can't say no, when we feel guilty all the time, when we're always overscheduled, when we're trying to do it all, and this is especially moms, is they send us pain, stomach aches, headaches, back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain, hip pain, knee. And there are so many diagnoses that are so real. And everybody's husband is like, again, another head. No, it's true. (laughs) Just kidding. I know, I know. I'm just making a joke. But this has actually happened to me in real life, which is like I had been on like such an anxious spiral. It was like the end ish of or the middle of 2020. We were moving. My son had just finished treatment. I was getting ready to sell my house. The pandemic had just begun. I was in the biggest like anxiety spiral of my life. And I woke up one morning and I could hardly see out of my right eye. Like I had this condition that was called central serous retinopathy and it's brought on by like the stress. And I know because it's also happened to me subsequently at a different time when I was under a lot of um, pressure and stress. And it is very, I do 100% subscribe to the fact that our bodies give us a signal to stop or slow down when we are under stress. Right. Because they're trying to save our lives. And so, you know, like what I tell people all the time, like I, I could lecture to a room of a thousand people. And if I say, raise your hand if you ever had a stressful day and got a headache, every hand in the room goes up. And I'm like, okay, keep your hand up if you went the next day for a CT scan of your brain because you thought you had a brain tumor. And like every people start to laugh and I'm like, right. You already believe that an emotional stimuli, stressful day, can cause a physical symptom, a headache. But when things get chronic or when things get scary, like you can't see out of half your eye or, you know, people um, that have done my work have neuropathy. Sometimes their limbs are so numb that they can't walk. When things like that happen, we forget the power of our brain and our nervous system to send signals to our bodies of inflammation, constriction, tension. We forget. We'll, we'll believe get, we get a tension headache, but we forget it when it's a migraine disorder. And so what I help people do is circumvent this entire process, turn it around and save their own lives. And the spoiler of my life is that once I understood about mind-body medicine and did the work myself, I have three children. I have the same MRI that I've always had. I haven't had back pain in 20 years and it never degenerated and it was probably there when I was born and God bless the doctors. They aren't evil. They aren't malintentioned. They just don't – this is still an emerging science. 
I figured out something. I figured out that what Dr. Sarna was saying is that if we are very angry inside and we're repressing it, this is a very basic part of his theory, it can come out as back pain. That was the first thing I understood. So I decided as a, as a psychology undergrad and as a person who was in the middle of getting my master's in social work, so I was certainly very psychology minded, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do a science experiment on myself. I'm going to do a psychological experiment on myself. So when my back started to flare, I would pause and I would be like, why are you so angry? Just like mental inventory, list it out. What's going on? And I would be like, you know, this is fucking bullshit. Dare, how dare that person talk to me that way? And, you know, I don't even want to be here. And whatever I was thinking, I would just really tell the truth. Nobody was listening. It was all in my own mind. Were you saying that stuff that you're saying in your mind? Were you saying it in your mind to yourself or out loud? In my mind to myself. I was just sitting. We were having a party in between my two ears. And I was just like, all right, this sucks. I don't even want to be here. You know what? Screw you, screw you, screw you. I mean, it was very liberating (laughs) because I could say anything I wanted. It was all in my mind. It was just a thought process, but that was the very beginning. I hadn't scratched the surface at the time, but what I did understand is 10 minutes later, I would attend to my back and the pain would be gone. And I was like, damn, this actually, there's something to this. That's how it began That was enough at the beginning of my journey to let me throw my diagnosis out the window. I read the Sarno book in earnest, and I was like, I'm good. I had two babies. I exercised till the day they were born. I gave birth. I recovered quickly. I'm fine. I did have what they call a relapse because recovery is not a straight line. When my son was 10 months old, he was toddling toddling around my back deck, and I was nervous that his walker was going to go over the stairs because there were like three stairs between the deck and the driveway. So I leaned over it, and I picked it up, and it felt like there was a hot knife dragging through my back. It was the worst, some of the worst pain I've ever been in, like tantamount to childbirth. Um, I could not take care of my children. It was I was an angry mom. Like when I was changing a diaper, I would like yell, like stop moving, like the opposite of everything that I have become. But it was a very, very dark year and I was in real despair and I would cry myself to sleep every night and I really felt ashamed. And I had a very spiritual moment where at the time I had very little spiritual life at all, but I sat in my room and I looked out of my window into just the night and the stars and I said, I surrender. I give up. I've been a year in the medical model, killing myself with all these treatments. Nothing is helping. I'm only getting worse. So it actually led me to go into the city and see Dr. Sarno in person. This was in the, I guess it was in the very early 2000s because I was already a licensed therapist. And he took me into his office and he gave me a full examination. He looked at my films and he said, let me explain something to you. Yes, you have spondylolisthesis. You have it. But when I look at where your pain's showing up, you describe it. There's no way. He's like, go to Hopkins, go to Mayo, go to Harvard. No doctor will say that this film could account for down your leg, up your shoulder, in your neck. Essentially, what he said is, I have repressed emotions and I have to let them out. You know, kind of analogous to Bessel van der Kolk, the body keeps the score. And Gabor Mate, when the body says no, he says, your body is in sustained fight or flight. Your back pain is a result of it. And I am going to show you the path to freedom. So he told me that I needed to journal and I needed to get to the repressed emotions. So when I unleash them and I have a vent, my body's not going to be in fight or flight and sending me these pain signals. So 
I started to journal and I was writing about motherhood and I was writing all the things that all of us can relate to. I am tired. I am overwhelmed. I have two babies in cribs. I have two babies in diapers. This wasn't the plan. I was going to have them further apart and that's just not how it went. And all these things that are true. And I had an understanding, a consciousness, a voice kind of that came in and said, you're lying. And I kind of looked up at the voice and I was like, no, I'm not. Those are all true things. And the, basically this, this inner voice said to me, right, but there is no way that these boring everyday things are so dangerous to feel that they are causing your nervous system to protect you with pain that to, so bad you can't walk. So what is really going on? And I just made a decision in that moment to say fuck it all and to tell the truth. And I wrote the first line of journal speak ever penned, and journal speak is the vehicle I teach people to heal themselves, which is, I hate being a mother and I can't do it and I'm failing and I suck and I've ruined everything and I have and I'm trapped and I am not going to survive this. And I looked at the page. I have chills every time I tell this story because I looked at the page and I was like, you don't hate babies. What You don't hate your – you love your babies. What's going on? And I just dug and dug. I got into childhood. I got into I hate my parents. You know, fuck those two. They screwed it up so badly and now I'm sitting here trying to be perfect and no one can be perfect and now I'm always – angry at myself and I'm, I, and then it went right back to me, self-loathing. What's wrong with you? Everybody does this. Everybody around, look around and you, everyone's a parent. You can't do this. What kind of a loser are you? And I let it, I didn't get scared of what was coming. I just let it go and go. And what I landed in after this, I have no idea how many minutes or hours I did this because it was a blur. I landed in a place of s- tremendous compassion my kids now remember, my kids are young. They're under two and four at this point. And I gave myself and my children the craziest gift in that moment because by telling all those ugly truths, which is why I love Caitlin's work because she's always telling the truth on her Instagram, I set myself free and I realized I do not hate being a mother and I do not hate myself and I don't even hate my parents. I was really lost in desperately trying to save myself from the pain of my childhood by having a perfect family. I was going to have the kids and the husband and the life, and it was a fucking fail. (laughs) And it was a fail not because it was a fail. It was a fail because every life is a fail. We cannot be perfect. We cannot attain what we thought we were going to have in some storybook Disney movie when we were kids. And when we don't know that, There's so much emotional repression that is necessary. So I woke up the next morning, Caitlin, and my back pain was 80% gone, never to return. Over the next month or two, I journal spoke about everything in my life. I cried. I fought. I won every argument. I was full of gratitude. I started to understand that anxiety and excitement are the same exact Trans, they transpire exactly the same in the human body. So I started to understand my anxiety, which had been with me since I was like four. I, I, I just did the work. And within a few months, my back pain was totally resolved. It's been 20 years. I've not felt it since. And I went to Dr. Sarno and I said, how, how can I be of service? You have saved my life. You have changed my life. I have changed my life. And I started working with him. I was I was at this point a licensed therapist, so I was lecturing with him at NYU. And 
here we are 20 years later. I work with people all over the world and it's not just back pain. It's all sorts of things and you have so much more power than you realize to affect your health. And there you go. Oh, hot damn, Nicole. The story is incredible. Like now I have to go back to this mom part because I do think that in that moment what you're saying is about admitting that you didn't like being a mother while acknowledging you love your children. There's, there is sort of this mutual exclusiveness between those two things that I think causes so much guilt for mothers out there today because it's really hard to be a mom, especially in that phase. It's like so thankless and exhausting and, and brutal at most, most days. I, I found it to be that way. And it was a real shocker for me to feel that way about motherhood through every single bad day I ever had as a mother a hundred times over if it meant having my children in my life because I love them so deeply. But if mothers are feeling this way, like maybe I just don't like being a mom, is that then leading back to some other unresolved trauma or whatever, or, uh, you know, effort to uphold this unattainable version of being a perfect mother and feeling like you're failing. And that's why we don't necessarily like motherhood because we're doing it sort of according to societal standards, not according to what's within. What do you think about that? Okay. So the first thing I want to say, and it's so important, is that feelings aren't facts and we really believe our feelings. We take our feelings very seriously. And I think it's so important, and as a therapist, I've been helping people with this for years, which is feelings aren't facts. We have to pause when we have a feeling and get curious about it instead of being so sure that it defines us. And so when I had, I'll speak for myself, but I can speak for anyone who's feeling this, when I realized that I had to write out that horrid, humiliating line, I hate being a mother, I let it happen. And I think that's the problem is we are hiding behind that which we do not want to say. And then all these feelings come up because we're trying to compensate for not saying it by like the feeling could be, I'm really guilty. I have to do more. Or I should have said yes to that obligation. So now I'm going to perseverate and like think poorly of myself and think like I'm uh, the other moms are judging me. You know, these things that feel very real to us and they are real have a subtext. They have things underneath them because we feel like failures and we are scared to say it because people are frightened. If they say the unthinkable, if they say the unspeakable, it will become true for them. And what I help people understand is the exact opposite. When you, in the privacy of your journal speak, and when I teach people to journal speak, I teach them to write it and throw it away. Um, one of my favorite clients used to say to me, Nicole, it's like blowing your nose in the in a tissue. Like, do you want to look at it again? No, throw it away. It's a purge. And so that's why it's so freeing because it doesn't stay true. So I had to say I hate being mother. Why? Because in that very moment, it felt like something I needed to say because I was scared to say it. It was almost like playing with it. And then I said it and then immediately I was like, wow, okay, I didn't die. I didn't get swallowed by the earth. What's underneath it? And then it really, it, and like when you say, is this trauma? You know, I always want to like make people a little less frightened of the word trauma. You know, it's very, very of the moment. Yes. I sometimes 
feel like that word is really annoyingly trendy. Yes. In a lot of ways in which I, so I, I don't tend to use it. I think the thing is this, like, let's give the word the power it deserves and not be afraid to use it and also say, all right, we can all like take a breath. Okay. Like trauma means in this case, anything from million little, little T traumas, you know, moving when you were a kid, financial insecurity, a parent's divorce, being bullied at school. These might not rise to like abuse and neglect, but they were little traumas for you and they build up and they build up and they affect your self-esteem and they affect your personality development. And so they're real. And I think it's very important to acknowledge if it's real for you, it's real, but only you can be empowered to be curious about them. So if you, for example, have to say, I hate being a mom, there could be, in the definition of trauma we just laid out, many little traumas that are whispering in your ears and making you feel like a failure. So of course, if you feel like a failure, how are you going to enjoy this endeavor that you have embarked upon? You're not going to enjoy it. I think just as important as like making you feel like a failure is also being told that you will or should enjoy uh, this journey of motherhood. And when you are not for very real reasons, because it fucking sucks sometimes, you feel badly. Yes. And so it's like, I do fucking hate this today. I don't want to be doing this, right? Like that's some days, that's how we feel. Like I really related to what you said when you were saying you felt like the angry mom sometimes, just like, just sit still. Like when I'm changing your diaper, like that rage and anger that surfaces sometimes because of all of that tedious, just relentless, just annoying stuff that mothers are dealing with with children. Yes. And here's the inspiration I really want to give to every person listening, whether they struggle with any chronic condition or just that motherhood's a drag that Caitlin was just saying. When I allowed myself the freedom of expression to say the whole thing, which is why I love your work, Caitlin, because you are saying the whole thing and giving other people permission to say the whole thing. When I realized I'm not enjoying this, this is hard, this is grueling, this is thankless, all the things that we have moments of, what happened is it opened me up to love so much more Mm. because I had no idea how tightly I was holding myself together to not feel those things. And when I let them out only in my journal speak, I did not tell my kids. I did not tell my husband at the time. I didn't tell my mom. I did the work personally and privately to myself. First of all, my pain fell away. But second of all, I look at my children and I, I I have to brag for a minute, and I'm going to brag about not the things that parents usually brag about. You know, they're excellent colleges. And I mean, they are all doing amazing things, but that's not what it is. My children would prefer to be with me than anyone else in the world. They will choose me. And it doesn't mean they don't love their friends. They love their friends. I have social kids. They are out in the world. Two just came back from the Bonnaroo Music Festival. Like, <laughs> my kids are out in the world. But if I say do you want to go to dinner with me tonight? Oh my God, yes. Let's do it. I'll go out after. Like My kids are my fucking people. They are my friends and I am also their mother and they respect me and we love each other. And why? Because I gave myself the gift to not parent them through the lens of my own dysfunction. 
And that is a gift that it it never stops giving. Because when my kids are experiencing something, and we all know how this feels, it's like your heart is walking around outside your body. It's like the most grueling, and especially if your kids are struggling with something that you struggled with as a kid, you know, like body image, popularity, feeling less than, you know, like comparing themselves to others, like it's enough to want to like shut your own life down and theirs to like watch your own pain be played out in a person you love more than yourself. But if you're not trying to deal with your own shit through your kids, you can just parent them as the people that they are. And then they get to have that unique experience of being alive and you get to be the person they want to come to. So it it is truly like a life-changing thing to do this work. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've got to get started like right now. <laughs> no pressure. You have, it's a lifetime journey. I honestly, though, like when I hear stuff like what you're telling, what you're telling me now, my kids are still young, but they're getting a little older. I'm hitting a groove like in a sweet spot with them, but still I'm terrified all of the time feeling guilty that the way that I'm parenting or things like that are going to screw them up or damage my relationship with them or make them angry or resentful of me later in their lives. And I couldn't honestly tell you like why I feel that way necessarily. Like I do think I am a good mom. I really try hard. I think my kids love me, but I just don't know why I can't shake that feeling all of the time. I mean, what you were saying is that you said that you were able to parent your kids not in through the lens of your own dysfunction. I'm like, how do I know if I'm doing that? What if I am parenting them through the lens of my own dysfunction? (laughs) Well, here's the thing. First of all, the best posture to parent is to start with the following sentence. Everything is ruined. Yes. Everything's fucked up. Everything is ruined. Everything is ruined. You must start there. This is a messy human life. And why is it gorgeous? It's gorgeous because we have pain and we have sickness and we have difficulty so that we can see the polar opposite, which is our joy and our gratitude and our connection. Like, here's what it is to be alive. There may be a cure for chronic pain, but there is no cure for the human condition. Motherhood at the top of the list. So if you can start with everything is ruined, okay, phew. Nobody has it going on. Nobody's gotten this right. Everybody's fucking up their kids. No matter how perfect the situation, your child will have a reason to be in therapy about you. I don't care who you are because like I have friends who who are what one might imagine is like the pinnacle of like what we all seek to be, never raise their voice, you know, so mellow. And, I, and when I say I have friends, I mean they're my age. So now their children are like college age kids. They're like, oh, God, my mother, so hippy-dippy, so annoying. I was always so jealous of like the boundaried strict parents down the street. Like you cannot win. win. Yeah. You cannot win. And so that's what's beautiful about it. You can stop trying to win. You can stop trying. You know, when I used to have a private practice and I would work with couples and we would work on parenting, I would say, here is what I have learned clinically and through experience. There are two things that matter. At the end of the day, does your child feel that they are worthy of love and worthy of the success and the space they take up in the world? Do they feel that? 
because there is a possibility through all sorts of dysfunction to show them that. To show, and here's how we show it to them. It's so simple. When you make a mistake, say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I just super had a tantrum. I was the one who had the tantrum. I yelled at you. I still want you to put your shoes on, but what I just did wasn't cool. Yeah. What does that show them? It shows them they're worthy of love. They're not bad. And it shows them that they are not wrong and they are not in trouble. And it is essential. And that's honestly the pinnacle of all of it. Like, yes, of course, we want them to eat right and we want them to have manners and we want them to be able to integrate into situations and we want them to listen and we want them to go to sleep. And But at the end of the day, all of those things, the thread that runs through it is, do they feel worthy of love and do they feel worthy of success? Can they show up in a room and say, I'm here and I deserve to be heard? You know, and if and if you screwed up 10 times, apologize and fix it. Kids are so resilient. Yeah. They all they want to do is forgive you. So this is not like a threat. It's actually just an invitation that it's almost impossible to screw it up if you're keeping those two things in mind. Yeah. It's so important. And like, it's just, I think all of us now, because of the, I, I talk about this a lot, just like the uh, overwhelm of information and advice that's going around out there and these, you know, scripts to use with your children. And this is actually the right thing to say in this situation versus this, like try this. And I'm always kind of like, holy shit, you know, like this is too much thinking. I want to just be who I am for my kids. And that that's kind of like, what the message, if I could give to anyone is what I believe is that whatever you are doing is the best thing to be doing, not what somebody else is doing. Forget about because, because like you said, we're all fucked up. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) It's such a relief. Yes. And it has to be where we begin. And like, I'll tell you another thing, this might be a little bit more advice for kids a little older, but I think it's really helpful I just call myself out on what I am and I say, and I'm okay with it. For example, we all have parenting fails. And one of my great parenting fails is I don't cook. I literally don't. I'm a working mother. I have I have children who have three different – my daughter's a vegetarian. My son eats three foods and my other daughter would like eat escargot, okay? So I have like these three incredibly different people and I if I cook one thing – there's only there's only one person that's going to eat it and i just decided and this is i'm not proud of this by the way that fuck it so like i was the opposite of the parenting books i made mac and cheese chicken and pasta i would i would kill myself to make all three when they were little whatever they wanted it was definitely not what like all organic and all that stuff and now that they're older and one goes to dance and one goes to music and one is working and whatever we do a lot of ordering in yeah but i guess the reason i'm saying this is my daughter loves to cook, and I see in her sometimes a yearning for more like cooking and family dinners. Like I see in her where she's going to talk to her therapist, okay? And what I say to her is, you know, I couldn't do it all, and this is one of the places I really let it go. Maybe you'll decide that you want to run your household differently, and like that will be wonderful. I this is the way I did it. And you know what? I'm all right with it. And she's like, no, mommy, like I'm all right with it. And I go, you are or you're not. And it's okay. Like we can't do it all. And like, that's a place where I decided to deprioritize because emotionally and actually it became too much for me. And so that's a choice I made. 
And like one of the things that I love about Glennon Doyle's um, advice to moms is instead of lecturing your children on what you think they should be, say, would I want this for my child? So like, would I want her to be in guilt over the things that she's not doing when she's a mom? Like, would I want her to feel like she couldn't be honest? No. So how am I going to do that? I'm going to... I'm going to be that. I'm going to demonstrate that as a lived experience. And then it gives her the permission to choose her own failings and then to be able to be honest with us, her kids about them, you know? Yeah. I think that's one of the benefits of today's parenting is that we are encouraged to admit to our children where we are flawed. And I do that all the time and it makes me immediately feel better because they, they, are understanding. They really are. This morning I said, like, I remembered randomly this incident from probably a year and a half ago. I have no idea when it happened, but my kids had just gone to bed and I never watched TV. And randomly this one night I had wanted to watch some show. And my son, my oldest is like, he's like the remote control hoarder and he just like hides them where he wants them to, but whatever. And I couldn't find the remote and they are always in like our nicer den area rather than the playroom. And I just like, whatever. And I went into our den to like watch the show for the first show for the first time in forever. And I can't find the remote. And I like went upstairs, got him up out of bed. And I was like, where is the remote. This is unacceptable. This is an adult space. You can't be, you know, I went like crazy. And then this morning I was like, remember when I went like ape shit over the remote that one time? And he was like, yeah. Um, (laughs) I was like, listen, I admit I was totally out of control, but like, stop hiding the remotes, honestly, (laughs) you know? So good. I I just appreciate so much your perspective on this in in reassuring the mothers out there that it's okay to feel however you feel and that we're no nobody is perfect. Nobody's doing this thing like all right according to the book and somebody's way might look better to you in the moment and may not produce that awesome result later down the line or whatever. Their kids are always your kids are gonna hate us no matter what. <laughs> for something. Yeah, and like here's the thing. Like I obviously know you're joking, but I have to tell you, I think they're going to hate us a lot less if we are always doing two things, which is showing up like you said, flawed and honest, and then just taking responsibility. You know, I had a really angry father, and he was a really dissatisfied person in life, and he died when I was 27, so it's been a really long time, but like I remember thinking if once, literally once, he had gotten down on my level and looked me in the eye and been like, that was about me and not you. Yeah. I'm an, I'm having a hard time. It would have changed my entire life because it took years of therapy for me to decide I wasn't a bad person because I was so disappointing to him all the time and to figure out, oh, I see. Like he was struggling with his own this and that. Like what we can do for our kids, like if you want to save 10 years of therapy for your kid, own what is yours. Yeah. They will love you more for it. And it's the same exact energy as journal speak. When you're alone with your journal speak, own what is yours. It just frees you and it it transforms the situation. I have been up in my room with my notebook and taken my family down one by one, just <laughs> insults and whatever, ripped it up, literally ripped it up, thrown it in a garbage that no one could ever find it, 
and walked into the kitchen like my loves yeah. my like it, it just clears it cuz it's 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 not really you it's not the grown up mommy that feels these terrible things it's your own inner child who's not getting her needs met because it sucks being a mom cuz nobody's taking care of you anymore and like we can feel that it's okay to feel that it frees you up to then take care of others I just wanted to also mention, because you touched on this, that it's not only pain, it's not only chronic pain. This is like anxiety, depression, all these other, you know, mental health yes. conditions that arise via not talking about, not saying out loud, not acknowledging, honoring the feelings that you have. Exactly. And and I want to, I'll ask, I'll just answer a frequently asked question because I know if people are new to this, they're going to be asking this. But wait a second. I'm really mad at my husband. Do I have to get divorced? I really hate my job. Do I have to quit it? My kids are driving me crazy. Do I have to drive away and never come back? Like people are like, wait, how is this going to work if I can't change my life? And that was the number one question we used to get on the Sarno panel at NYU. And here's what I will say. We're talking about brain science. If your brain is no longer in fight or flight, I know this is going to sound insane to people, the pain signals stop firing because the necessity of the pain signals is to protect you, to slow you down, to get you away from the danger. Your toddler could be the danger to your life, (laughs) according to your nervous system. (laughs) So how do we get you away from the toddler? Well, you have a blinding migraine. You know, you have to call the babysitter. So the point is, as soon as we bring those feelings up in that private matter in our journal speak, the pain will go away. It doesn't mean your life is going to be perfect, but you do not need to change your life to get out of these chronic conditions in the work that I do. And I think it's super important for people to understand that because otherwise they feel like, I don't want to go there. I'm not leaving my marriage, so I don't even want to know how I feel about my husband. Like That's not the goal. The goal is to know how you feel so your body doesn't have to protect you from it. And then let's say Like in my situation, my ex-husband, he worked all the time and I felt really alone in raising the kids. Once I got to how resentful I was, I didn't – that was not the reason we got divorced. That was years later. I was able to say to him, I figured out something that's really important to me and I think it's – our relationship is going to really benefit if we can talk about it. And like that's something I think I didn't even know I needed to say. I was like in a big suck it up mode at the time and like – it, you know, although we ended up getting divorced for like many different reasons that were the right choice for us, he is my best friend. He is my partner in this life. We both have other relationships. That's not the point. We like raise our children together and we incorporate our whole lives. Like we're a very modern family. And like it's because we have learned to really speak honestly to each other in a way that's not threatening. And that is like the the end result of this work. But it begins as a very private process. Yeah. Yeah. And then that that level of like trust that you have to feel with that other person to be that honest and to know that you can say those things without risking, you know, abandonment or whatever. Yes. And that's also just like completely letting go of your own ego in these matters, right? Like just if something that I'm doing is bothering somebody, it's actually probably more about them than it is about me. It's like, or something somebody else is doing to bother me, it's probably about me than it is about them. Yes. And figuring that out, right? Exactly. Like say, for example, that's a perfect example. Somebody who you love, who you have to deal with on a daily basis is doing something and it just gets you, it gets you, it gets you. It is about you. Yeah. 
You know, no one can make you feel anything that doesn't exist somewhere in there already. So when you do this kind of excavation and you figure out how you really feel about things, sometimes other people really stop bothering you. You're like, oh man, that's just, you know, Jane being Jane and she's always like that. And like, it's not such an injury anymore. You know, the word trigger is as ubiquitous as trauma and the word trigger technically means I'm sitting here today, something has happened to me, and all of a sudden, I am actually in the past. A trigger requires that you're not here. You're somewhere else. You are, you are reacting that is in a bigger way to the situation because something that happened now reminded you so much of something that happened in the past that hurt you that you're back there. That's why people – that's the whole – that's like the definition of a trigger. When you go back and actually – unroot the past and just allow it to be. You don't have to solve your problems. You don't have to make nice with people. You just let it be something. You hold yourself with compassion and kindness. You will be shocked. It is astonishing that certain things that used to trigger the fuck out of you, you're like, oh, whatever. Yeah. I just I, I just said something like uh, to that effect on my stories the other day. Like, Yes, we, it's like, I understand it's like good to do work on yourself and grow and that kind of thing. But what about also just accepting yourself fully for as the flawed, fucked up little human you are? It's, it's a magical thing. Like uh, there's a line, um, it's, it's a book, um, called White Hot Truth by Danielle Laporte. And one of the lines that I love is she says, in this moment, can you, not crave to be different than you are right now. Like, just think about it. If it's possible, don't crave to be different than you are right now because here is the sacred paradox. Transformation begins with the radical acceptance of what is. Mm. And it is a magical thing because if you stop fighting what is, you know, Byron Katie says, we can fight reality, but we only lose 100% of the time. Like if you can stop fighting what is, all of a sudden, all this space is freed up and you're like, oh, okay, well, here I am with three kids and it's a shit show and my house never gets cleaned and I never finished anything. And once one, the second one gets better, the other one gets sick. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. Well, that's what is and um, can't fight it. So, Okay. That opens you up to be like, okay, well, what do I want to do today? How do I want to spend my time? Instead of spending all this energy being like, I hate it. I don't like it. This sucks. You know, never is going to get better. Like, it's such a freeing space to live. Yeah, it really, truly is. Acceptance is just so powerful. And then also not to discredit the fact that like you might actually be burnt out and need a little bit of a break or some more support around, right? Like it's also validating to know like it's time for you to get a fucking babysitter, go like whatever you need to do, take a walk, get a, you know, anything. Yeah. And I want to say two things, and this is like stepping out of my therapist role and just being like straight mom to mom. If you can afford it, please get a babysitter. You're a good mom. If you can give yourself the permission, go away for the weekend with your partner. You're a good mom. Like we put way too much pressure on ourselves to be something that isn't helping our kids, by the way. You can't give from an empty cup. Like I beg of you to forgive yourself. I beg of you to say two hours of TV, five hours of TV, however much you need to get through that particular day. So be it. Totally. Like, I really, really, I want people to really forgive themselves and give themselves a break. Give yourself a break and get yourself a snack. 
Yes. <laughs> okay, before you go, what's your favorite snack, Nicole? Oh my goodness. I'm such a snacker. If my kids were, were listening to this, they would just be like, um, how is she going to choose? <laughs> But I'm going to go with just because it's in the moment, Trader Joe's Takis. What's a Taki? Caitlin, have you lived? No, apparently not. Tell me how. A Taki a t- a taki is – if you go to like a regular grocery store, you can get something called Takis, which are like these rolled up like tortilla chips that are dipped in this really spicy like Dorito situation. But – I don't like regular Takis. I like Trader Joe's Takis that are not called Takis because they're like the Trader Joe's brand. What are they called? Like but Joe Joe. They're like Trader Joe's spicy tortilla <laughs> roll okay. or something. Wait, I do know but what they are. They're pretty spicy. They're very spicy, yeah. but I'm a spicy okay. girl. Okay, I like that. I like that. I like everything about you, Nicole. Um, <laughs> This was honestly, I feel so much better right now. Um, you're amazing. I really and truly do. It feels so great to talk about that stuff. And this was such a real and open conversation. I think I even said some things that surprised myself. Um, I think I feel better generally because I say a lot of truths every day. Um, but there's always the next level, there's always deeper. Yes. And and another thing that I love is when you see someone else being free, it gives you permission to be free. And I think, Caitlin, you and I are both doing that. And I love that about us. And I love that about anybody who's doing that because like, let's, let's be the collective that gives each other permission to be honest and to set ourselves free. Yes. Go us. Yes. Thank you so much, Nicole. I will um, be in touch with you and we'll have to have you back for another one of these pep talks. Love it. You're so welcome. Thanks so much for being here. For more information on today's episode, visit my show notes. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a review. Now get yourself a snack.